joining us out in our parking lot. <clears throat> we are grateful that you uh, came out to attend our service this morning, our uh, first attempt at a drive-in church service. So, if you will, at this time, bow your heads and pray with me. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. Lord, we we honor you today with our with our presence, Lord, in your in your throne room, with our prayers, as we lift up our friends, our families, our neighbors during this time of need. Father, we are so blessed by you to have a grace and love that's everlasting and never ending. And Lord, as we see churches reaching out and doing services in all different kind of ways today, Father, Lord, we just ask that you be in the midst of each one. And Lord, that you carry on the good work, Father, through new avenues and new adventures, Lord. And Father, for those that might face adversity during this time, Lord, we ask that you strengthen them. You pour your grace and your love upon them, and Lord, you give them the boldness and the courage to stand up and proclaim the good news gospel. Lord, again, we thank you for these that are here, Lord, but most of all, we ask today that you be with our health care workers, our grocery and restaurant workers, our truck drivers, our farmers and the food in producing industry, Lord, that you strengthen them and, and protect them, Father. Because, Father, we're truly seeing the essential, Lord, is getting back to your word and doing what you've commanded us to do. Father, we pray this today in your Son's holy name. Amen. Russell, can you hear us over there? I got away from Russell, so we're getting out into the community this morning. Uh, before we get started today, while you're looking up 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 16 through 22, I want to invite a young man to come up this morning. Mr. Tucker, will you come up here and join me, please? All right, Mr. Tucker, I want you to tell everybody what happened to you. I accept Jesus in my heart. He accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior last night. Amen. Now, I want you to tell them what you told us happened, the minute that it happened and still happening now. As soon as I accepted it in my heart, I just felt a joy just going through my vein last night, and it's still in there. You didn't hear him. He said he felt the joy flowing through his veins last night, and it's still flowing through them this morning. Amen? So we uh, have a baptism scheduled already for June the 28th out at Show Me Birds that afternoon. I'm going to throw a surprise on our picnic and committee and crew. We'll have a church service out there with a church picnic that afternoon. And then we will baptize two Tuckers that afternoon. Don't that sound great? 1 Samuel 17, verses 16 through 22. Every morning and evening for 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand. One day, Jesse told his son David, Take this half bushel of roasted grain along with these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry 
to their camp. Also take these ten portions of cheese to the field commander. And then listen what Jesse instructed his son David to do. Check on the welfare of your brothers and bring a confirmation from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Eli fighting with the Philistines. So David got up early the next morning, left his flock with someone to keep it, loaded up and set out as Jesse had instructed him. And he arrived at the perimeter of the camp of the army that was marching out into its battle formation. And they were shouting their battle cry. Israel and the Philistines lined up in the battle formation facing each other. And David left his supplies in the care of the quartermaster and ran to the battle line. And when he arrived, he asked his brothers how they were. This morning, we are in a battle. Many of us are facing a battle of some kind, of some sort. Many of us feel like that we are just like the Israelites, that we, for 40 days, that we have been fighting 40 dark days and 40 even darker nights. And as we wake up every morning, the enemy takes a stand and dares us to come out and engage him in the battle. How many of us can turn on our televisions, our radios, pick up Facebook or any other social media post and not know that we are in a battle? We're hit with the worst news every day. We see on our front lines that there are people that are fighting. And so as David went out, it says he rose up early in the morning. And as he rose up, he gathered together the supplies that his father had told him to take out. Much like the Israelites in our lifetime, we've never faced the times like we're facing now. Oh, we've heard stories of hard times in the past. And we've seen the news and in the papers. We've seen it taught in our history classes, and we've even seen it lived out in other countries. But now we, as the United States of America, we are facing the most challenging and changing situations that we could only imagine would ever happen. And all of us, each and every one of us, are in a need of something. It may be a physical need, it may be an emotional need, it may be a financial need, and it could even be a spiritual need. Whatever the need is that we have, the Father knows that need and is willing, able, and ready to send someone to help in our time of need. In verse 17, we see where Jesse instructed David the supplies that he was to carry out to his brothers and that he was to hurry to their camp. Church, this morning it's time we gathered the supplies that God is offering to us. Love, grace, mercy, hope, peace, joy, happiness, and most of all, salvation. And it is time for the church to gather these things and be in a hurry to share them with a lost and dying world. 
If you will look at the times that we are in, people are facing, they don't realize that there's any hope. I got out this week and went to the grocery store and I stood there and I watched people in a panic as they turned and they couldn't find the exact item they were looking for. I stood and I watched the lady just screaming in her phone saying they have nothing in the store to eat. And there were supplies all over the shelves. Well, they were looking in the wrong place for the wrong thing. And church, the world today is looking in the wrong place for the wrong thing. And it's time the church stood up and showed the main thing as the main thing and showed them where to find it. And that is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We may look to see an empty shelf of one item, but there's another item that's just as good and it's full. We've just got to be willing to take that. But we're being told by society that what the world wants us to have is all that there is that's good. But I'm here this morning to tell you, church, that what God has is better than anything that this world could offer. We may need to take and change some of the proportions and take some of the courage that we have to set it home on our couches. And we may need to be brave and do just like we're doing today. Being unconventional by doing church. Did you ever dream in your lifetime that you would be sitting in your car with an old bald-headed man standing on a trailer giving you a message from the Word of God? Did you ever think in your lifetime you would be able to take up your social media outlet and hear the Word of God? I saw a picture this week and it said just 10 years ago, pastors all over America were screaming and yelling at how bad social media was. And last Sunday, every one of them were saying, follow us on the same social media they condemned. People are condemning churches for still gathering, even in this situation, where you're in your own cars, where you're separated out. People are still condemning that the church is still gathering because hope does not sell newspapers. Hope does not have people tune in. Despair is what they want to see. That's what they want to hear because the world tells them that's all there is. But we find here in 1 Samuel 17 that Jesse, David's father, told him the very first thing he had to learn about going in the battle was he had to become a servant. David had to serve his brothers and those in their company by carrying supplies, much needed supplies, to these people to the men and women that were fighting on the front lines in battle today, we as the church should be a servant and on our knees praying for God to send grace and mercy and strength to the men and women that are out there supplying our needs. Instead of condemning and yelling at the poor grocery store clerk because your certain brand of flour is not on the shelf, you ought to be thanking them that they came out to serve you. The church has turned it completely around today. We have made ourselves the king first and we're telling God how He can serve us. 
And the way that it's supposed to work is that we are the servant of God and we are to be out laboring in the field. And the king, the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, supplying our needs and giving us the strength to fight the battle. But we have reversed that role and we think that that's the way it should be. Because the world tells us we are to think of only ourselves and none other. Last night we saw a picture on on the social media Facebook and we saw a family that had neighbors across the street. And they painted a block of wood. On one side was one color, on the other side was another color. And every morning when they rose up, they would look out their window. And if a certain color was facing them, they knew that the older couple was okay. And they made it through the night. But if they rose up at any time and they looked and the other color was showing, they knew they needed either groceries, medications, or something from them to give them help and hope. Church, it's time this morning that we do church unconventionally. It's time we rise up early, dig down deep in God's Word, and find where the instructions for us to do things the way that He wants us to do them, and not Him do things the way we want. We may need to take some portion of hope to someone. We all have the technology now in the palm of our hands to be able to send a message to someone that says, I'm thinking of you and I want to know, is there anything I can pray for you about and is there anything I can bring for you? Yesterday afternoon, Katie and I got out just to get out of the house. And we got out and we started riding around. We found some back roads down in Oklahoma that we didn't even know that people lived down in that area. And then some of the places we were in, we questioned why anybody would live in those areas. But as we were out riding around, we got a text message. And the text message was a picture of our grandchildren standing on a sidewalk in front of their home. And on that sidewalk, they had written with sidewalk chalk, we miss you, with an exclamation point. Church, it's time we went to our neighbors and our families and our friends, and even if it's just a picture, let them know that they are missed and that they are loved, and there is still hope that it's coming to an end. We have to be the servant before we can be the king. We have to serve others before we can be served ourselves. There are people today in our society that are roaming around and they're thinking that hope comes in a bottle. They're thinking that joy comes in a pill. They're thinking that relief comes from injecting things into their body. They look at everything there is, some of them watching pornography to find happiness, some of them looking at at all kind of an alternate lifestyle to change the way they are. And those are none of the ways that God said would bring any of that to them. And we as God's children need to be a servant that can carry them the everlasting peace that they're searching for. The everlasting hope that Tucker found last night 
the joy that flows through his veins last night, and he said is still flowing through his veins this morning. I want to tell you, on a third Thursday night in July, when I was only 14 years old, I walked down the aisle. Well, I say I walked. I'm not real sure I didn't run down that aisle. Because I remember one step, and the next step I was standing by my father at the front of the church. And ever since then, 31 years since, make sure my math is right, 41 years since, I'm trying to shorten my age here. But 41 years since I walked down that aisle and said, I accept Christ into my life, I still have the joy when I wake up in the morning. I still have the peace when I lay down at night. When troubled times come, I know who I can go to to draw strength from. And I know where I can go to find an everlasting source of love and grace like I've never seen from anything else in this world. And we, as God's children, have to start being the servants to our King, our King Jesus. Jesse told David to get up and hurry to the camp. Church, this morning there is an urgency for us to get up and go out and serve the community. And you say, oh, we're on lockdown. We can't go. We can't socialize. We cannot interact. If it's okay to go to Walmart with 500 other people, it's all right to tell them that Jesus loves them when you pass them in the aisle. If it's okay that you can go out and exercise when you pass somebody on the trail or on a walk or on a bike that you're riding on, it's okay to be singing how I love Jesus. And if you can go out and post on social media all the bad news, you can turn around and change every bit of that and post the glory of God on that same post. And let the world know that you're serving a risen Savior. Our Savior is not in a grave somewhere. He's not laying in a tomb. He's alive and He's sitting by the right hand of the Father this morning. And He's looking down on this world and He's saying, Turn to me and I will give you the joy. Bring your burdens unto me. I'll take them. All ye that are heavy laden. Bring it to me and I will give you peace. The world will not offer peace. The world will laugh and offer you more sorrow and heartache. But God's Son said there's an urgency to get up and to hurry to share the love that needs to be shared in our lives today. As the men of Israel faced the battle, they were in despair and they were in, they were a depressed people and if we look around us today we'll see people that are in the same boat the same situation they're much in despair and there's a lot of depression and it's time we got up and carried the things from the father that will sustain strength and get them through these tough times that they face And I love what Jesse told David here. He said, go and check on the welfare of the brethren and bring back confirmation from them. They're in a battle and they need support and they need encouragement from their family and from their friends. 
Again, in verse 20, it said, David rose up early, loaded the supplies. But notice what uh, Samuel wrote here about David when he rose up in verse 20. He said, when he rose up, he left the flock in the hands of someone that could take care of him. Church, this morning, I want you to know that if we get in God's Word and we're deeply rooted and deeply grounded and then we know what God's Word says and we're sharing that with others, that when the time comes, when God says for you to get up and go, you can leave the flock in hands that are capable of handling it. Even Christ Himself gave us that example. The Father will not send us away without the overseeing of someone that can take care of them and supply their needs. And in the 16th chapter of John, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I am telling you a truth, that it is for your benefit that I go away. Christ Himself said, I must go away. Because if I don't go, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. Church, this morning we need to realize that if Christ had enough faith in the Counselor and the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to come and to guide and direct us and to show us the way, we ought to have enough faith in God's Word this morning to be able to do the same thing. That when God calls us to go to the front lines to serve spiritually, that there is a comforter that will come, protect and guard those that we are leaving, but also prepare the way for us to get there and to keep us safe while we're there. The other night there was a missionary that was talking about going down into Mexico and him and his family were caught in a gunfight between two cartels of drug lords. And as they began to shoot, they got out and they laid in the ditches beside their car, a little one-lane road. Him and some of the family on one side, his wife and the family on the other side. And they heard something ping inside the car and they realized that gun bullets were going inside the car that they had been sitting on. And when the gunfight was over with and the smoke had cleared and everything was gone, he said they finally got up when the, when the police came and when the authorities got there and the fight was over with. And they got up and they were all protected and they were all okay. And all of a sudden one of the policemen that was bilingual said, why did that song keep playing? He said, that's all we've heard since we got here. And the name of the song was, He Knows My Name. And it played over and over when the bullet ricocheted in the car and struck the sound system or struck the dash. It locked that song in and it played over and over and over during the entire gun battle. Church, this morning, when we are facing a battle and it's on all sides and things are coming at us, if we serve the Lord and we follow Him, He knows our name. And He will send the Comforter to guard us, to give us strength in the midst of the battle. So church, this morning, don't use the excuse, if I go, there'll be nobody left behind. God will bring someone along. 
But we've got to prepare and be in the Word and know what the Word says and have hope and rest in assurance that if God's only Son would leave us in the hands of the Comforter, we can leave our friends and our family in the same hands and they'll be guarded. Whenever we do business of the Father, He will provide that security and comfort. And He'll give us the direction we need to go in. If the Son of God can leave us and send the Comforter, we too can do the same. And when we arrive, when we arrive, don't be surprised to find the brethren in a battle. We as God's children have closed our eyes and we put on so many masks that when we walk up to someone, we don't expect to see a frown on a face. We don't expect them to tell us that they're having an issue. We don't expect them to say that there's a problem going on in their life. We expect them to smile and say everything's okay. There's a place at the altar for habitual liars and I encourage you to go. Because I want to tell you this morning, if you're not facing a battle, you're not working for the Lord because Satan will not let you go without facing some adversity as you go. But the comforter that will guard us and guide us will be there to lead us through and give us what we need. So Christians and church people, don't be surprised if you walk up and say, how's it going? And somebody says, you know, I've got an issue. I need somebody to pray with me. I need somebody to stand with me and lift me up in prayer and raise up a standard before me that says my God is able to supply. And yes, I have an issue. I have a problem. A friend of mine this past week posted on Facebook, I'm not a person that takes a nap. I always thought naps were for weak people and people that didn't have the energy to get out and do stuff. And he said, I learned different this week. I learned that if I took a nap, I quit eating. Many of us need to quit eating what the world is supplying out to us and lay down and rest in the glory of the Lord. And become a child of the king. But to be that child we have to serve. When we arise don't be surprised to see people have other battles that look different than our own. Some people have an emotional battle. Their emotions are running rapid. They're, they're, they're so high and they're so on the edge that just any word will break them down. Some people are fighting a physical battle. There are people that actually have a physical problem in their body that limits their ability to do things. And they fight a battle and they struggle with that battle every day. And that battle may look different from yours and it may be something that is not the same as yours. So being a servant of the king, don't be surprised to see a physical battle going, being fought. Some are fighting a battle of security. I feel sorry this week. I have, I have prayed and prayed and prayed over some of the children that don't have a school to go to. 
Sometimes it may be the only place they see a smiling, friendly face is when they walk down a hallway at a school. I thank God for the teachers that we have in our church, the ones that have come through our church, and the ones that are currently there because they are carrying hope to their students. And I feel for those students that are not able to see that smile. They're not able to hear those words of kindness and of joy. They're not able to see that they are valued and they're worth something. So they're fighting a battle of their security and they don't know where to turn to. Their battle may look different from ours. And I want to tell you something, and I mean this from the bottom of our heart, my heart. You will never find security in a pack of toilet paper. You may think that's where it's at, but I want to tell you that's not security. I can just imagine this summer when all this is over with at the yard sales and how many mounds and mounds of toilet paper will be on sale in yard sales. I've almost decided to open up my own plumbing business because all of you that are cutting paper towel rolls in half and using them for toilet paper, I want to be the one that charges you an arm and a leg to clean out your drains. Because you're placing security in a paper product instead of a spiritual product named Jesus Christ. Some are in a battle for their addictions. And during this time, there are people with addictions that have fallen back off of their course. And they have fallen back into the addiction that they had escaped from. Or maybe some of them have dived in deeper into that addiction, trying to find the peace and joy. Church, let me tell you this morning that the only addiction that I can find true happiness is, is when I find God on my side and I'm able to have His Spirit throwing through my body. And this morning there are some that are fighting for their very soul. They're in a battle. Why did I start off this morning and have Tucker come tell us that he accepted Christ? Because God is still in the saving business. No matter what pandemic is going around the world, God's still in control and He still saves. And He's still wanting to save today. When the world says that you're going to die and go to hell, God says you can live and have life forever. So there are people out there that are fighting a battle for their very soul this morning. And we as God's children have to be the servants to carry the word. The word to go out and to share with them. And all of these people that we meet, they're lined up preparing for a battle. But when David arrives, arrived, he laid down the provisions with the quartermaster. And then he went and he asked his brothers, how are you? This morning, as we are supposed to be a servant of the Most High God, when was the last time that you sat down across the table from somebody, stood next to them in a line in the grocery store or Walmart, or whenever you crossed by their path at the gas station, when was the last time you looked over at somebody and said, do you know Jesus as your Savior? When was the last time you were concerned enough to ask somebody, or is your soul going to heaven or is it bound for hell? 
church this morning as the servant David went. It said when he got to where he was at, he laid down the provisions. He laid down every burden and every weight. And he went and asked him, how are you? Church this morning, we need to be on the move asking people and their souls, how are you? Do you know who the king is? Do you know where to find joy? Do you know where to find a salvation? We need to be able to share that with a lost and dying world. Tucker said this morning, that joy flowed through his veins. Let me tell you something. If you have ever led someone to Christ, if you've ever gave them the salvation plan and prayed the sinner's prayer with them and watched them accept Christ into their life, there's no greater joy that will run through your soul except for your own salvation. It's time that the church started asking our family and our friends, how are you spiritually? Are you broken down? Are you in need? Is there something that I can help guide you through? But to be able to guide them, you've got to know where their map is. The sad part about it this morning, there are very few Christians that know how to look up in God's Word the direction that they are to give others. They want to give them their opinion instead of giving them God's Word. They want to give them what the world thinks instead of what heaven knows. This morning, we got to dig in deep into God's Word and be prepared for the battles that are coming at us. He asked his brothers, How are you? Notice David didn't come in and condemn them for the battle that they were fighting. He didn't blame them for being in a battle. And he didn't ignore the battle they were fighting. He asked them, how are you? They'd been beaten, kicked, knocked around, knocked down, abused, been yelled at, cussed at, blamed at, and everything else at. And they had fought that and had that long enough. And here come David, the servant David, and come in and said, how are you? What can I do for you? It's time the church arrived and started to tell those that they are loved. When was the last time you told somebody outside of your spouse or outside of your family that they were loved? When was the last time you looked at him and said, you're special? You mean something to me. When was the last time that you told somebody, you're wanted? We want you to be a part of us. We want your presence. We want, your, we want you to be around. We want to know you. We want to learn about you. When was the last time that you wanted and told them that they can be a part of a family? When was the last time that you told somebody they could be forgiven and accepted? That they could lay down the battles that they are fighting and have what a loving Savior and Lord 
has already fought the battle and won. Today, church, the sad part about it is, is most of the world, and even a few inside the church, have never heard these words or can even find these words. John 3, verses 16 through 21. For God so loved the world in this way, He gave His one and only Son. He didn't have a whole bunch of them. He didn't line up the angels in heaven and say, you go try, you go try, you go try. He gave His one and only Now, I don't know what the new core math says and states and everything else, but when I was in school, one meant one, and only meant one. God sent His one and only Son that everyone... Oh, there's another word. The church today does not share that everyone is everyone. We want to pick and choose and bring in a certain few or a select group or the ones that dress like us, talk like us, look like us, act like us, go to the places we go, hang out in the places we hang out, eat at the restaurants we eat at, drink the same same kind of soft drink, put the same kind of gas in our cars, drive the same kind of cars. But God's Word here says that everyone, who believes in Him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. If there was any time you wanted to shout or blow your horns or jump up and down, that's the part to do it at. That it says everyone will have eternal life and none should perish that believe and accept Him. For God did not send His Son to the world that He might condemn the world, Church, today there's too many of God's servants going out condemning everything before they even get to the battle line. Many of God's children and servants today know what they're against, but nobody knows what they're for. Because most of the time they don't even know their self what they're for. They just know I'm against that over there, but I don't know why. I don't know how come. But I don't like it. I had a person one time file a grievance when he wanted pay for another person working. They brought everybody in. We sat down with all parties involved. And they said, were you offered the opportunity? And he said, yes. Were you given the sheet to sign if you wanted to work overtime? He said, yes, I was. And they said, did you sign it? He said, no, I didn't. And they said, why are you filing a grievance? He said, because I didn't want him to have it. Church today, there's too many servants going out and are selecting who they want to have, the freedom and the grace of God, and passing over the ones that God says, take it to them. Remember the wedding feast when nobody came and and the master sent the servants out and said, go out in the highways and the byways. Look in the ditches under the bushes and go compel those to come in. Church today, it's not for the high and mighty and the lofty. It's for everyone to accept the gospel. And the gospel is presented and given for everyone that they would not be condemned. 
Christ went on to say, anyone who believes in him is not condemned. Too many lives today, the world says you're condemned and you're not worth anything. Before you even set foot out of the bed in the morning, the world has said you're useless. There's no need in you getting up. You're not worth it. But it's a lie. It's a lie from the pits of hell because God's Son says everybody is worth it and they are not condemned if they accept and believe in Him. But He did go on to say, but if anyone who does not believe, they are already condemned. Because he who has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God, then this is the judgment. The light has come to the world and the people have loved darkness. Rather than the light because their deeds were evil, for everyone who practices wicked things hates the light and avoids it. So so that his deeds may not be exposed. You know, there used to be a saying down with our grandparents and our parents, if you're old enough and can remember that, nothing good happens after 9 o'clock at night. I can remember growing up, if the phone rang after dark, it was an emergency. Why would somebody call at this hour of the night? There has to be something wrong. Church, let me tell you this morning, too many of God's people are trying to serve God in the dark. We're not walking in the light. We're walking in the darkness and we're stumbling and we're falling and we're failing to get to our destination because we don't want the light to shine because somebody might see that it's us that's spreading the good news. Somebody might think a little bit less of us if they know we're a Christian. I might not fit into this group. I might be accepted in this crowd. This group over here may laugh at me. That group over there may point fingers at me. What we do in the darkness will be brought to light. And Jesus himself said that the light, that the world hates the light and it avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. Every now and then, my loving wife, when I am getting that road rage in that 20 item or less lane at Walmart, or I'm trying to shop through, and people want to make it a social hour in the middle of the, of the canned soup aisle, and I began to get discouraged, and I began to grumble, and I began to say, do you not? And my wife will tug my sleeve and say, Ain't that pretty? Don't you wish that the church could see you do that? And I have to remind her, I'm in a hurry. I'm trying to get to the church. Which she says, it will be exposed to you one day. But notice how Christ ended this. He says, but anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Church, this morning, before we can become a king, we've got to be that servant that is sharing that gospel message with the lost and dying. The world says there's no hope, no joy, no peace, no way out. But God's Son says he is the way, the truth, and the light. And in him, the light 
in there is no darkness. In him there is joy on top of the sorrow. In him there is hope in all times of trouble. And in him there is peace in the turmoil. When all seems lost and all seems hopeless, God's only Son will bring us the provisions that we need to get through our battle. To become the victors and the overcomers. We will, not, we will have some battles and we'll have some battle scars and some wounds. But they will be healed and sealed over by the blood of the Lamb that He shed on the cross as Jesus' body was bruised, beaten, torn, and ripped apart for our sins, for our battles and our troubles. Those are the provisions that we need to be carrying out to the front-line battles and sharing the good news gospel with them. The provision that God's still on the throne that God still hears prayers and He still answers prayers, that He still heals and He still saves. Those are the provisions that God's servants today need to be carrying out and not our own wisdom, not our own opinions, and not our own knowledge. But the Word of God is what we need to carry out and carry on. The day we have come to this point to ask you this question how are you how are you today are you feeling defeated are you feeling depressed are you feeling downtrodden are you feeling like there is no hope left in this world at all how are you how are you are you in need of a Savior this morning to fight the fight for you? To carry you through the battle that you don't believe you can walk through? How are you? This morning, church, it's our job to be a servant and to bring the good news of salvation and healing to the lost and dying and hurting world. And that provision comes from our Heavenly Father. David brought earthly provisions from his earthly father. But God's son has instructed us, Go ye therefore into all the world, preaching, baptizing in the name of God's son, and making disciples that you can leave in charge and go to the next battleground and share the truth with them. As servants of the Most High God, we are to come and bring back confirmation to the Father that they have heard the good news. This morning as Tucker came, we got to hear him confirm that he's a child of the king now. We got to hear him confirm that he believes that Jesus Christ is Lord. A few weeks ago as I stood and I held Tucker, the other, the big, the tall Tucker in my arms, and I heard him pray that prayer. And I heard him accept Christ in his life. And I saw the expression on his face. There was confirmation that he, beyond a shadow of a doubt, knew that God had forgiven him and accepted him as his own. 
Church today, we need to be carrying confirmation to the world that that can still happen in their hearts and lives today. And you say, oh, well, we we can't do it. There's an order, there's an ordinance and a law, and we've been banned. You can still pick up the phone and call somebody. God's grace will still go through the airways and through the phone for you to tell them that He still loves them and He still cares about them. You don't have to be sitting side by side with them with the technology that we have today. Now I will admit, it's a lot better and it's a lot more personal. But if the world says, we're going to stop you from gathering, okay, then you've got to shut down my phone because I'm still going to spread the good news gospel. Today, we can make a confirmation to the world and carry it back to the Father that we have shared the provisions of heaven with them. And the confirmation that we can give the world is this. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. He's already fought the battle. He's already won the war. It is ours now to have confirmation in our own heart and in our own life that we are a child of the King, that being a servant will bring us to be a king. Church, are you willing to be a servant before being crowned as a king? We're going through Revelations on Wednesday night. And we find that God's Son is talking to John in the book of Revelations. And he starts proclaiming all the good news and all the things that are going to happen. And he shows John a vision of where that we are crowned kings and lords over everything. And then we take those crowns off and we start throwing them back at his feet because he's the only one worthy. He's the only one worthy. I said he's the only one that's worthy to be crowned king. And we as a servant, God's son left his throne and became a servant to the world. He carried the good news to the lost. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He made the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear. But most of all, He made the lost and dying saved and able to go to heaven. He served the people when He took the bread and the fishes and He broke it and fed the thousands. He served the people when He took off His belt and robed it twice. Twice He took off and cleared out the marketplace that was supposed to be the house of God. He was a servant. He was a servant when He got down in the upper room and took off and overgirded Himself with a towel and began to wash the feet of His disciples. He was a servant. And he was a servant for the Lord when he went to the cross. He was a servant of the Lord when he went knowing what his destination was going to be. 
when the bread of life was born in the city of bread and he knew when he left the throne in heaven he was going to be a servant that was to be slaughtered that we might have victory. And as he walked up that hill on Golgotha that day, his body bruised, his skin torn from him, his flesh dragging on the ground behind him, and he hung on that cross. As a servant of God, he said, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Church, today the world does not know what it's doing. The world does not know it needs a Savior because it is offered so much by others. And we, as children of God, have got to become the servants to go out and share the gospel with them. So today, again, I ask you that question. How are you? How are you as a servant? How are you as a Christian? And how are you as a child of the King? Father, this morning we thank you for Father David's willingness to be an example. Lord, we thank you for the willingness of your Son to be our example. And Lord, today we thank you that you are offering that same opportunity to become a servant to the world. Father, today we, we offer up our service to your, to your kingdom. Father, we, we want to ask you this morning to forgive us, Father, for trying to reverse the roles. And make ourselves the king and you our servant. Father, this morning we ask that you forgive us. Father, we cry out for the sins that our land has done. For the battles that we're fighting right now on the front line. God, we give those over to you. And Lord, we ask that we would humbly come and be a servant of the Most High God. Father, we thank you for the good news we were able to start with that, Father, that Tucker had accepted you as Lord and Savior. And, Father, that the joy that he speaks of is still flowing from the throne room. Father, we thank you for that servanthood that led him to Christ last night. For a family that believes and loves and cares that have placed into him that belief that beyond the shadow of doubt that you're King of King and Lord of Lords. Father, this morning as we, we come to a close of this service, we ask that it opens the doors for us to be servants in various ways. Father, whatever way that we can serve the lost, let us serve. Lord, we ask that you heal our land. Lord, you heal those that are sick. You heal those that have been afflicted. Father, you help those that have been displaced by this. And Lord, that you rise up those above the sorrow and the pain and the hurt that they're facing during this time. 
And Father, we thank you most of all that your son did not come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. Father, we thank you this morning for all that you've done for us and all that you've given us and all that you will do for us. And Lord, we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen.